This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I am Pastor Joe Faldet. We have worship at 9.30 a.m. during the summertime. We can be found online at hosannafreelutheran.com and in podcast format on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app as The Kingdom at Hand. Our sermon today is going to be about living new life from Ephesians 4. Verses 17 through 24. That's found on page 1244 in your Black Pew Bible. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. And I read in Jesus' name. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Father, as we come to study your word, I ask that you would grant clarity of thought, Lord, and that you would help us to understand and apply these things, Lord, that we might live them out, and so grow and become more like Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what is what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, can I can I be a Christian and then just live like the world? Just do what they do, you know, except you know, I got fire insurance. Is 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 that Christ? Is Christ just fire insurance? You know, he keeps me from going to hell, but at least in this world I get to live my life however I want to live it. And as Paul speaks about the the glories of Christianity, the glories of walking with Christ. Why would we live like that? You know, it's a logical conclusion. If, if Jesus is good and all that he gives us is good, why would I live my life in the way that the world does? And that's, that's the beginning here. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must... No longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And that's why I have that picture up there because this is a well-trodden path. The path that the world has for us, that's deep. It's a rut that's hard to get out of. You know, if any of you have ever driven out in a field or on a bad road and you get stuck in a rut, and that's what's happened to the world. And so Paul is saying here, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Don't. Don't look to them for advice. Don't look to them for guidance. They don't know where they're going. They're just following the path that everybody else has always walked, and that's never done anyone any good, and so why would you follow that? You know their end. And so why would we walk it? Why would we be like the Gentiles? God is calling us to be different. We're called to be a light into this world, right? 
We're called to think about this world different. We're called to interact with this world different. The Gentiles don't know how to interact with the world. They don't know how to interact with money. They don't know how to interact with food. They don't know how to interact with their bodies. They don't know how to interact with their jobs. They don't know how to interact with their government. You name it. They don't understand their place. So why would we live like them? You know, it's a good question. And so Paul, he doesn't ask the question. He just says, don't do it. Stop doing it. Stop living like that. And you know, if we were humble, if, I still struggle with this, but if I was humble, I would follow this. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord. It's not just Paul. He's saying this is what Jesus is telling us to do. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You were doing that. That's what you have been doing. Stop it. Why? In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. And so they are walking in the futility of their minds. What does that mean? Well, instead of asking God, instead of asking God, okay, God, how should I, how should I live my life? How should I interact with my family? Instead of asking God, they consult themselves. Instead of asking God, they look to TV. You know, and as funny as everyone loves Raymond is, I don't think I would go there for relationship advice. But people do. You know, and so then they start to live their lives like they see on television, like they see in the media. And that's really the power of the media. You know, the more I interact, I, I, this dawned on me when I was in high school. and I was actually watching Friends, the, the TV show Friends in high school. And I was watching that. And I heard a phrase come out of my mouth and I thought, where did that come from? And it struck me, it came from Friends. And I was like, These people are not meant to be my peers. This is supposed to be entertainment, but it has now changed me. It has affected me. Even though I knew better, it affected me. That's the futility of their minds. You put all of the world together, and you put all of their intelligence together, you put all of their wisdom together, and God says, you know what all that is? None of it works. It's all futile. Well, this is the wisdom of the ages. Yeah, that's probably a bad idea. They're walking in the futility of their minds. Let's not do that. Let's not do something that doesn't work. How many of you like doing something that doesn't work over and over and over again? That's terrible. It's so frustrating. It's like, this is supposed to work. You're trying to you know, do something on the computer, and you follow the instructions, and it doesn't work. Well, restart it. All right, I'm going to restart it again. That's the futility of their minds due to the ignorance that is in them. They don't know God. The Gentiles don't know God. And they don't know the ways of God. They don't understand the ways of God. And so why would we look to them who don't understand the ways of God, who created everything? Why would we look to the Gentiles who are in the same boat that we would be if we didn't know God? It's the blind leading the blind. You know, you pull all their ignorance together and try to get something out of it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's futile. Why is it futile? Because they don't know God due to the ignorance that it's in them. 
because of the ignorance that is in them, because they don't know God, because they don't understand how the world works, they don't know the purpose of anything, therefore they can't use it rightly. You know, if you took a cell phone, you imagine that, you took a cell phone, most people know how to use a cell phone. You know, I suppose not everybody, but you took a cell phone and you sent it back to 1890 and said, here you go. This is the greatest next device. And they'd look at it and be like, is it a mirror? What? How would you use that? Why wouldn't they be able to use it properly? Well, not only would all the technology not exist, but they wouldn't know its purpose. And if they don't know its purpose, if they're ignorant about it, they can't use it properly, they're going to mess it up. They're probably going to end up breaking it. And that's what our world does. And so that's why we don't walk like the Gentiles do. Because they have given themselves over. And it's interesting that Paul says that. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Sensuality and callousness now owns them. They have no way to battle against it. That's what's going on in our world right now. They have no way to battle against it. They have just totally given themselves over to it. And in an absolute sense. You know, what do they seek? Well, they seek the next pleasure. They seek the next high. They seek the next rush. They seek the next dollar. They seek the next whatever. And they don't know that they're trapped. They're stuck. They're lost. They're enslaved. They have no freedom of will. They have given themselves over to this. You know, you give yourselves up to the cops, what happens? You don't have any freedom anymore. You know, if you've committed a crime and you go into the police station and you say, I'm giving myself in. They say, okay, we've got a nice little room for you and back. You can't say, you know, I changed my mind, I'm going to walk away. No, you're done. Your freedom's gone until it's all settled. And that's what's happening with the Gentiles. Why would we walk like they do? So Paul says, don't. Real clearly. So there has to be a transition then. A change. But that is not the way you learned Christ. You didn't, Jesus doesn't exist in order to enhance your sensuality. That's not what you learned from Jesus, is it? He's not here to make you rich, is he? I don't think so. If he did, I guess I'm failing. You know, maybe my Christianity isn't strong enough for Jesus to make me rich. No, that's not the right teaching. That's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth. So the Gentiles, they seek after truth. They, they're seeking something right now. Right now, as, as you watch, how many of you watch media at all? If you listen to the radio, you read the newspapers, you watch television, you watch any of those things. What are they seeking? Have you ever watched that, asking that question? Why? What are they seeking? What are they aiming for? They're aiming for satisfaction. They're aiming for something that is worth their lives. That's what's going on. What's worth my time? You know, is fornication worth my time? Is making more money worth my time? Is, so is becoming rich 
Is that my goal? Should that be my goal? Is that a worthy goal for my life? Maybe it's artistic creativity. Maybe that's a worthy goal. You know, maybe it's making the country Republican or making the country Democrat or making the country communist or, or whatever. You know, are those worthy goals for your life? Are they something to spend your life on? Paul says the truth is in Jesus. And so whatever question you have for this world, the truth is in Jesus. Does Jesus know what's worthy for these people's lives? For the lives of everybody in this world? Yes, the truth is in Jesus. He is worthy of their lives. He is worthy of our time. He is worthy to spend my life upon. The more I invest in Christ, the more satisfied I become. You know, it's wild. The more I dedicate my life to Christ, the better it is. The more I dedicated my life to, you know, woodworking or, well, what was it in college? Grades. You know, I dedicated my life to getting good grades. Failed in that, but I didn't fail. Not the right way to say that. I never got really good grades, but I dedicated my life to those things. And and then it dawned on me, you know what? Why does it matter how good of grades I get? You know, when I was called here to Hosanna, nobody asked for a college transcript. There was all that time wasted. D's get degrees. Wait, C's get degrees, not D's. Don't listen to that, Abby. I was wrong. (laughs) You prepare for college, D's won't get you anywhere. The truth is in Jesus. So then we seek Jesus. What does that mean? Then we have to put off our old self. To put off your old self. This is the truth that's in Jesus. It means to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. To take that and say, you know what? All of this stuff that I've been doing, that's, that's probably not right. And we should approach the world like that. We should approach the world, everyone who is not in Jesus, everyone who is not know him, who is living in the ignorance of their hearts, we should approach that and say, you know, this person might have a little bit of truth, but they're probably wrong in their application of it. They're probably wrong. That stuff that I've been taught by this world, you know, it, it's probably been twisted and polluted and perverted. It's, it's probably wrong. I need to approach it first and foremost in that manner. I'm not called to approach sin with generosity. I'm called to approach sin with skepticism and say, you know, it's probably wrong put it off, to stop doing it, to stop living like the Gentiles. Because that's, and this is repentance, right? This is what Paul is describing here is what we would describe in that one word, repentance. We put off the old self. We stop walking in our sins. Go and sin no more. But we don't just leave it in the putting off. To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. So before we get into the putting on, we're going to look at this corruption. It's Our old self has been corrupted. It no longer works. So how many of you ever had rusty cars? Anybody here? A couple of you? The rest of you? How did you get by in Minnesota? Um, as we deal with a rusty car, if you go to fix that rust on that car, what are your options? Basically to cut it off, grind it off, or put on a whole new part, right? And usually in those steps. You cut off as much as you can, you grind off the rest of it, and then you put something new there. 
because it's been corrupted. And that's what we do in our lives. The metal has been corrupted through probably through salt and oxygen, become rust. It is no longer worth anything. So we have to renew it. We have to take it all off. You can't just put on, I heard of someone putting on black paint thinking that that would fix their car. You know, it probably didn't take too long for that rust to bubble through that black paint. We have to remove it. We have to put off the old self because it's been corrupt through deceitful desires. Desires that the desire isn't necessarily the thing that's wrong, but it's the deceitful. It twists you and it says, you know, if you follow money, that'll make you happy. If you follow long life, that'll make you happy. If you follow peace, that'll make you happy. You know, or not so much... I shouldn't have used the word peace. Maybe um, friendliness with everybody around you. Niceness. If you follow niceness, because that's usually what people do who seek peace. They want, they want to be nice to everybody. And you know what? That doesn't work. Those things don't satisfy. They're deceitful desires. Is it wrong to want peace? No. But if I'm seeking it through being nice, it's not going to work. So the desire has been twisted and corrupted. Finally, what do we do? What's the positive? Take off the old. What do we do? We renew. And be renewed in the spirits of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. What are we supposed to be aiming for? Really, what's our goal for our lives? Because our aim is going to determine how we value everything that goes on in our lives. And so what's my aim? Well, Paul says that our aim, and to put on, I'm going to mess with the order here, and I, I apologize for that. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So what's our aim? According to that passage, what's our aim? To be like God. That we would look like God. That we would be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, and that's what um, Paul says in Romans 8, 29. You know, Romans eight twenty eight. How many of you know Romans eight twenty eight? Most of you? How many of you know Romans eight twenty nine? Quite a bit fewer. You know, it's interesting that Romans eight twenty nine is the context for Romans eight twenty eight. And so when God says he works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, he then says, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. And so what does that mean? What is the good that God is seeking in your life? Is it health? No. Is it happiness? No. Is it Riches? No. It's none of those things. It's that God is seeking to conform you to the image of his son. And so as these things come, as sin enters into our life, as sin exists in us, as hardships come upon us, what is God trying to do? God is trying to remove that sin from our lives using hardships oftentimes, using difficulties, using struggles. He pushes us to become like Christ. 
And so to conform us to the image of his son. That's what he's doing. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So how do I interact with that? Is that a passive thing? Is that just like, okay God, let the hardships come and then you can change me. No. That's why Paul puts this in the active tense and to put on the new self. And so I put off the old self and I put on the new self because that's what God is trying to work in me. How many of you think that God knows better than you do? Anybody here? Those of you who didn't raise your hands, we'll talk later. If that's what God, God, is aiming for, shouldn't we be working towards that same goal? Shouldn't that be our goal? God-likeness in me? Christ-likeness in me? So instead of aiming for ease or aiming for luxury or, or aiming to like preserve my pride or my prestige, you know, aiming for uh, reputation, that'd be reputation, aiming for a good reputation, instead of aiming for those things, maybe I should be aiming for Christ-likeness. Well, how do you do that? You know, it's by putting off the old and putting on the new. Created after the image of God in true righteousness and holiness. In true righteousness and holiness. Not the righteousness and the holiness that the world peddles. Their righteousness and holiness has been corrupted through deceitful desires. So I can't look to them to guide me. I have to look to Jesus. So then we ask Jesus. We, we read our Bibles. We read the Gospels and say, okay, Lord, what can I learn from this? We read Paul and see what he has to say for our lives. You know, we read the Old Testament and say, you know, how is this teaching me about Jesus? And, and how does this teach me how to interact with the world? The truth is in Jesus. And if the truth is in Jesus, then you know what? We can ask him. God answers prayer. Mina's here. She could have died. She could have been a vegetable for the rest of her life. We prayed for two years. And God healed Mina and brought her back to us. So if God can answer that sort of prayer, do you think he can answer your prayer, okay, God, what do I do in this situation? I think he can probably manage it. Because that's what God wants us to be Christ-like. That's what he wants for my life. That's what he wants for your life. Why is this bad thing happening? I can tell you why. I really wasn't able to articulate this properly until this week. I can tell you why. It's because he wants you to become like Jesus. Why is this happening to me? Well, because he wants you to become like Jesus. Why am I struggling with this? Because he wants you to become like Jesus. Hmm. Well, then we have to ask another question. Well, how do I do that? (laughs) Paul just answered that. Put off the old. Put on the new. Don't walk like the Gentiles do. Don't seek them for advice. The truth is in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for a path, for a guide, for a way to interact with the world. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for those who don't know you. And we ask, Lord, that you would open their eyes 
that they would see the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Lord, if you'd, if you'd seek to use us, we pray that you'd grant us opportunities to speak your truth into this world. Lord, that lives might be changed. And we pray that you'd speak your truth into our lives too. Lord, that we would walk as you would have us walk, trusting Jesus, or trusting Jesus, that he knows best. Lord, may we live that out, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.